right? And when you start telling yourself those things, I'm, I'm good with money. I'm smart with money. I can figure this out. That's when you really start to make a shift, right? If you're like, oh, it's too hard. I'm never going to be able to do this. Then yeah, you're never going to be able to do it. But even just telling yourself, just switching that, that mindset, even just a little bit. Whether you're determined to build your dream business, to become a better communicator, to create the leverage in your life, to connect with yourself, to become more purposeful, to master your schedule, to quit your job, to travel to Europe, no matter what the goal is that drives you, this is the show for you. This is a space where we can transparently talk about all the things you're determined to accomplish or improve in your life and bring you the tactical tips and strategies to help get you to that next level. My name is Jamie Milam and I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur and like you, I dream big. I rebuilt my life out of a single Rubbermaid storage tote when I became a mother and today I am living my life by designing it in alignment with my goals. Recently divorced and back to being a single mom and simultaneously running multiple businesses, I know that I can figure anything out when I am determined. With the right resources, determination, and motivation, I believe you can make your dreams and goals a reality. This is Determined AF. Welcome back to another episode of Determined AF. I'm super excited today to be able to bring to you a really awesome story um, from Wendy Verway. I had the opportunity to meet Wendy in a networking group that we're in, and I just was just really overwhelmed with excitement about the conversation that we had. It just seemed like there was so much alignment, and I loved everything that you were saying. So I reached out to her right off the bat and was like, I would love to have you on my show. And so I'm so glad that you made the time, Wendy. Thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Jamie. I felt the same way when we connected. It was like, oh yes, two peas in a pod. We know, <laughs> we know all the things about all the things that we've been through. <laughs> well, yeah. with that being said, like, will you, would you mind to just kind of introduce yourself briefly um, and let our audience know just a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I'm Wendy Verway. I'm in Alberta, Canada, um, where it's very cold today. <laughs> Um, and I'm an empowerment and money coach. So I help people figure out that they actually have more control than they think about their money um, and help them live lives that they love, that they don't need a vacation from. So that's kind of my jam. <laughs> I love that. Um, and I love that you said that a life that you don't need a vacation from. I do remember hearing something, something similar to that. I don't know. It's probably a podcast show or something that I was listening to. Um and it was like, you know, rather than having to work and feel like you need to go on vacation to escape life, you know, making your life a little bit more like a vacation. And um, something that really resonated with me that you've shared is that I'm hoping that you don't mind to be vulnerable to share here is I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you call your country song year. Yeah. So that was about five years ago. Um, you know, I was, I did all the things that were expected of me in my life, right? I went to school. I did well in school, got a job, met a boy, got married, had kids, all of that kind of stuff. And I was miserable. And so was my husband. And about five years ago, he kind of pulled the plug and just said, yeah, I'm done. And he left. And so I was like, well, now what? Cause I've done all the things that I was supposed to do and I'm supposed to be happily ever after now. And that didn't pan out. Right. So here I was suddenly a single mom 
my boys were, were pretty little at the time and I needed to figure some stuff out. So while I was dealing with all of that, all of the, you know, hurt and anger and loss of my marriage, it was 17 years. That was most of my adult life. Right. Um, then my dad passed away. And then a few months later, my father-in-law passed away. So it was like every man I'd ever loved just was gone from my life in a short period of time. And then my dog died, which just made it a whole country song. (laughs) Um, So it was a lot um, all at once. And I just, I was like, what am I doing? Right. I was with my dad when he passed away. We were very close. And I just remember he, um, when he was taking kind of his last breath and his face changed in that last breath. And it was so powerful. It was just this look of like awe and wonder. And I don't know what he saw, but it still like gives me goosebumps even just talking about it. Um, I don't know what he saw, but I realized like I was not afraid of death anymore, right? Like death was not the worst case scenario, <laughs> but not living was my worst case scenario. And I wasn't living. I was just, you know, dealing with loss after loss and hit after hit. And I just, I didn't want to be in that anymore. Right. I wanted to, I wanted to live a life I didn't need a vacation from. I wanted less stress and everything felt like responsibility. I was still working full time and caring for my kids full time. And my husband had moved a couple hours away. So it was just me, um, no family nearby, like none of that. It was just, okay, how are we going to get through this next day? <laughs> right. And I just, I finally got to a spot where I'm like, I, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Something needs to change. And so I made, I think the biggest change for me was mindset was around, you know, I don't have to just sit in this. If I'm not happy, I don't have to stay here. Um, and figuring out really what I wanted my life to feel like and what it was feeling like was stress and insomnia and anxiety and, you know, depression and grief and loss and all of those sorts of things. And I'm like, okay, I'm done focusing on what, on what I don't want. Now I want to focus on what I do want. And what I wanted was peace and calm and simplicity. (laughs) And so I really focused on that and then was able to make some big changes. And over the course of some time, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't easy and it wasn't overnight, uh, but it was fairly simple to get back to simple. And I changed everything in my life and was able to retire from my corporate job at 41 with two small children. Um, And I live, I live a life that I absolutely love now. You know, I get to wake up in the morning and see what's going to happen. I get to come and meet awesome people like you. And um, yeah, just my, my time is my own, my, you know, I'm in control of my money situation, all of these sorts of things. And life is just so much more peaceful and so much better. Oh my gosh. There were so many things in there. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. Cause that is a lot, you know, and I think that so many times it's, it's those stories because when you hear from somebody like, oh, I retired at 41, you know, and I'm living the life that I love, like too many people can think like that, that just came easy, or maybe you came from wealth in the background, you know, but the majority of time that we hear stories like this, it's more from a story of struggle, a story of overcoming a story of determination. Right. And so that's something that you kept saying that I just hear so often that it, to me, it's important for the audience to hear, right. Is that it starts with that mindset, because when we think that this is happening to us, we're not able to take back some of that control. 
and learn to balance that with we're actually not in control of everything at all, right? So it is a balance, right? You know, I just, I I loved what you said in terms of, I did all of the things that I thought I was supposed to do. I had a great conversation yesterday with the girl who, you know, talked a lot about like conforming and doing all the things that she thought she should do, right? And we do it, you know, I mean, same story. It was, okay, well, I actually had a child at 19. So that was out of a line, you know, and then it was like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. And then it became, all right, well, if we're actually going to get engaged and get married and all the things, it's like, now I have this timeline. This is how I want to do it, right? Like, I'm going to graduate, then we can get married, then we can move, right? So it was very like in a line and we were not happy either. And you don't really realize that sometimes you let life keep doing the things and throwing them at you about what you think you should do. Right. So we bought a house and we just had all these little different life events. I say little, they were big life events and they were really distracting us away from the struggles that we had in our marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Completely. Yeah. And And I had been in many relationships prior that I, that were not healthy relationships and I would have wanted to have left, but I found myself financially codependent in those situations because oftentimes the majority of them anyways, we were um, cohabitating together. And so that would make it difficult for me as a single mom to then depart and be financially on my own. Um, And so I do tell a lot of my coaching clients too, that the very first step in terms of reaching your goal is getting super clear on it. Because when I hired my first coach and she said, well, how many houses do you want to sell next year? I'm like, ah, 36. Well, why is that? Uh, I don't know. Cause that's what I hear that I should be able to do as an individual agent and sustain. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, is that going to actually fund your expenses, like your personal expenses, your business expenses, like what about what you're working towards? Is that going to be enough financially? And I'm like, I don't even know, you know? So I had to get really clear on my finances. And for me, it was, you know what? I'm going to do this financial sheet in preparation in the event that my husband and I get a divorce because we were, we had just started a marriage therapy and it, it really kind of like, it was this thing like, okay, if, if counseling works out, fantastic. We've got a lot of bonus money. And if yeah. it doesn't, then at least I know finances are not a factor as to deciding if I'm going to stay in this, right? And so as a mom with two boys, you know, when this like kind of just all falls apart and then there's all this other loss happening in your life, how did you find yourself kind of pivoting into that realization of like, I need to figure out my money situation so that I can be living a life of thriving and that I don't like, you know, need a vacation from because it's so fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, it didn't start out that way (laughs) that, okay, I'm now going to thrive. It was, okay, what do I do? Right. We've gone from a double income to now a single income. Um, we had this big acreage property that was supposed to be our dream house, right? It, you know, it was a big poor level split house, had a big backyard, all of this kind of stuff. Um, and it was beautiful. It was probably the nicest place I'd ever lived. And, but it was a nightmare because we only lived there for a year before he left. And I'm like, this would have been great information a year ago. kind of thing, Right. And <laughs> I always have that scene from the wedding singer 
um, <laughs> Adam Sandler, you know, he could have told me this yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I had all of these things and I was tied up in all this stuff and, and, you know, this dream house was now a nightmare. I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore, but I don't know what else I can do. Cause we're still paying the mortgage. Like he was still paying part of the mortgage on it, you know, until we kind of decided what we were going to do, but he was dragging his heels. I'm like, no, I need to make a change. So one of the first things I did was actually hire a money coach. Um, and talk to her just to figure out, and, you know, she went through all the things, what are your fears? What are your goals? Um, you know, how can we sort of bridge the gap there? And honestly, my first, my first call with her, I told her that my biggest fear was that again, the label single mom just weighed so heavy on my shoulders. And I'm sure you've, you felt that too, right? Um, like the whole, that label of single mother. I'm like, well, I'm going to end up in some high rise tenement house, like on the musical Annie, right? <laughs> and my kids are going to have lice and we're going to be all dirty. And that's, that's now our life. That's now what we're going to be. And when I talked to her and finally like figured out all of the things, right, we went through everything around money. What kind of benefits did I have at work? Did I have a will? What kind of insurance did we have? Um, you know, who are my beneficiaries on, on things, let alone, you know, the cash flow day-to-day kind of stuff. Um, and really putting all of that stuff together. She's like, okay, that's never going to be you. And you don't need a daddy Warbucks to come and save you. You can save yourself. Right. And that was huge. So just having that thought, then I, I realized I didn't have to stay in a toxic relationship and I didn't have to stay in a, in a job that was killing me. Um, I didn't have to stay in an area that wasn't, you know, healthy for me, all of those kinds of things. Right. So it's, um, and that's what I try and, and give my clients is that, inspiration <laughs> that they don't have to stay because of finances. If they can get control of their own finances, they don't have to stay. So yeah. So one of the first things I did was hire this money coach. Um, and then over time I started making some big changes, right? Um, my ex was dragging his heels on what we were going to be doing with this house. And cause you know, it was just, he was away. So it was just easier for him to not make a decision. Meanwhile, I'm living in it. And um, it was an acreage property. So, you know, every weekend you have to cut the stupid grass and take care of the gardens and, you know, and it was a big house. So like, I don't want this much space because the more space you have, the more you have to fill it with stuff. And then the more stuff you have to take care of. And it just all felt like responsibility. Um, and I didn't want that. So finally, one day I just, I packed up everything kind of Marie Kondo style, <laughs> I tied it up and I just packed up the things that I loved and the things that I used all the time. And I moved my boys and I to a little duplex in town. And so many people were like, well, you're taking a step backwards. Like, you know, you've gone from homeowner to now renting and it's like this little tiny place. And I'm like, I am happier than I've ever been because it was a sunny place. It was a friendly neighborhood. Um, I could walk to work so I didn't have to commute anymore. Uh, you know, I didn't have to pay for parking, all of that kind of stuff. My kids, um, I got them into a new school and they were able to take the school bus, uh, which meant I didn't have before school care worries anymore. Um, even after school, I was able to adjust my hours with my boss so I could meet them at the bus after school. So getting rid of just commuting costs um, and daycare costs freed up a bunch of money <laughs> as well as time. Um, that I could use in other ways. Right. And even renting my duplex and we were there for about a year, I guess. Um, 
And that was just peace of mind too. I knew what my rent was. I knew if the dishwasher broke, my landlord would fix it. Um, I didn't have to pay property taxes, right? Like there were, there were a lot of pluses. Plus I just didn't know where I wanted to be. So renting for that time was a really, really good decision. Um, and like I said, I freed up a bunch of money um, by simplifying my life. And then I could use that. I learned to invest. Um, I actually kind of accidentally became a day trader. <laughs> so, and all of those things kind of helped when I when it was time to leave my my corporate job. I had that money replaced and I was able to, to do it in ways that fulfilled me, right? I can invest from home. I don't need coworkers. I don't need an office or any of that kind of stuff. I just, I need a laptop and an internet connection and I could do it from anywhere. Um, then when it came time to buy a house, I've got to the point where it's like, Hey, now I want to put my stamp on something and, and have a home that's, that's for us. And so I bought this house, which is, I think it's, less than a mile away from my rental. <laughs> so I could still walk to work if I wanted to. It's a small house and it has a rental suite. Um, so my rental suite pays for my mortgage. So again, that's one less thing. I don't have to work as hard because my resources are working for me, right? So being able to simplify all of those things. So now, you know, even in a down market, even when, even when COVID happened, I mean, I'm not in a, um, a tourist area at all. I'm in a residential neighborhood. My suite is always full, always. Um, you know, people travel for all kinds of different reasons. Um, and so, you know, even if the the stock market is down and trading's not going well or whatever, then I still my mortgage is still paid for. I still do freelance stuff. I do dog sitting. <laughs> I do all of these things that just fulfill me that I love doing and that happen to pay as well. Right. And so many people don't realize that they have that, that they don't have to go. Uh, they don't have to stay in a relationship that's not good for them. They don't have to stay in a job um, that's not fulfilling to them. And life is so much richer when you can be aligned in all areas of your life. Oh, I mean, that is absolutely true. Right. I mean, here's the thing is that people don't realize that they don't, that they have that control because it's a fear, right? Fear is the emotion that is overtaking our ability to get clarity and to draft mm -hmm. that plan, right? And so whenever we are feeling overwhelmed and it's just this fear over fear over fear of like, what am I going to do, right? You know, when we can put that on paper and identify, like you said, like, what are my fears, right? And what will happen if we get to that point? Like what what things must actually happen before we get to worst case scenarios? So we'll know like, shit, we're falling down those bullet points, right? But like, yep. okay, cool. We've got like six bullet points down the line before we get to worst case scenario. Like, I think that's pretty good that we have, you know, a probability that we won't hit that mark, you know, but if we were in worst case scenario were to happen, then what? Yeah. Then what do we do? Right. Like, okay. So if we lose the house, right. If you can't pay the mortgage, then what happens? Right. What's the backup plan then? And you know, what a lot of people don't realize is that divorce, like, I, I mean, and there probably are resources out there, but here's the thing is that when you are in the muck and you're feeling like divorce may be on the horizon. I don't know about you or anybody, but like for me, I'm like, the more I focus on something negative, I feel like the more that negative is going to show up in my life. Oh, so yeah. if I seek out like divorce, 
you know, di- you know, divorce advice or advice for transition from a divorce, like before I'm actually separated or divorced, like it feels like I'm manifesting that more. And so it wasn't a resource that I sought out, but oftentimes, and I, I say I had the blessing and I, that might sound awful to, you know, out of context, but I had the blessing of a really great friend of mine going through a divorce simultaneously with me. And we're in complete, like halfway across the country from each other. And I say that because it was very helpful to be able to just have that person, you know, that you didn't feel so alone. But what we don't realize is that there are so many fears about how do we make this transition? And it makes sense to me that you, and I'm in real estate. So, you know, like, Somebody going from homeowner to renter, you know, like we know, like you're helping build somebody else's wealth, but in a scenario where you don't know where you want to land and you guys were already there for a year, I'm, I don't, I'm sure it's different in Canada, but in the U S like you've got to be there for two years to avoid the capital gain tax. Right. Yeah. So you already have that. And then it's like, okay, well, if I don't know where I want to land, if I'm going to love this neighborhood, if my kids are going to, you know, do well on this new school, you know, I may not want to rent or I may not want to buy until I am ready to really put my roots back down. So that makes sense to me too. And it sounds like you guys were able to work through like the fears and you started to put the plan on paper as to this is what I need. You started to think about how do I kind of want, how do I envision my life to be? How do I want to feel? You said earlier, you know, peace and calm and simplicity. Um, I I think it's unfortunate that so many of us don't stop to really think about that until a real major life event occurs. Yeah, absolutely. Because how powerful would that have been to have come to that realization sooner? The other thing too, Wendy, and I don't know if you agree, but I also think that that starts to come a little bit more with age. Oh, right. Like we start to realize like, yeah, there are other things. Well, yeah. I mean, when I met my husband, I was 20. Um, so we were children, like my brain wasn't fully developed yet (laughs) and neither was his, right. We were children and we grew up together kind of thing, but we were growing in separate ways. Right. I was, I was finally getting to a spot where I knew who I was, or I was learning who I was and what I actually wanted. Um, and he was staying kind of on the straight and narrow, which I mean, I can't fault him for, right. Because, you know, he fell for this girl who was this thing and now she's turned into something else. I get that. Right. Like there were so many things that, um, again, on paper, we should have been happy, (laughs) but he retreated in his own ways. And I retreated in my ways. And we just, we didn't have that communication. We hadn't been talking about that kind of stuff for our entire relationship. And, you know, it wasn't, it was not good. It wasn't healthy. Um, there were a lot of bad things about it, but we're at a spot now, you know, five years later that we're friends and we co-parent very well. And because again, and what you were saying about your friend going through divorce at the same time, I had a number of friends that had been through divorce previously trying to tell me, you know, well, you have to get angry and you have to do this and you have to do this. And it's like, that's your story. That's not what I want. I don't want to have an angry divorce. I want to get to a spot where we're doing the best we can for our children, right? Like our relationship may have been severed, but our children are going to be part of both of us for the rest of our lives. So let's see what we can do to put them first. And so I had to let go of a lot of stuff. 
I had to forgive a lot of things. Um, and I did that on my own. I didn't talk to him about it, <laughs> right? It was That's right. all of this stuff. I just had to say goodbye to, to release it from myself, right? It's, you know, um, what was it holding on? There's some quote about like holding on to anger or not forgiving somebody is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies kind of thing, right? Like it's all, it's internal. And so doing all of that internal work and figuring out what kind of divorce did I want to have? What kind of relationship do I want to have with my kid's father? Um, all of those things put together just simplify life for me. <laughs> it had to be done. It had to happen. Even my country song year, you know, as, as hard as that was, I'm so grateful every day. I'm so grateful for all of it. I'm grateful that he said goodbye because if he hadn't, I would have stayed and we'd all been miserable another five years. Right. Um, all of it. I'm grateful for, you know, being able to be with my dad at the end, all of that kind of stuff. I'm so grateful for all of it because I wouldn't be where I am now if all of that didn't happen. Absolutely. And you know what you said, it's the same thing around the conversations that my girlfriend and I had because our our catalyst, our triggers for a divorce were very, very different. You know, hers had, um, you know, infidelity in her relationship and mine did not. And, you know, that obviously can create different emotions for people. And so that's what I've always said is like, you know, my situation is mine and only mine. And at the end of the day, it's only my responsibility. And this is how I've stood through my last year, you know, through the divorce is, you know, I am only responsible for, my reactions and my responses and to continue to provide an opportunity for them to have a relationship. Otherwise, everything else is it's mine to deal with in my therapy, right? Like yeah. it is, that is my space. It is not my space for me to unleash on him, my frustrations or to expect that anything is going to change, you know, at any given time. Why would I think that? It's been this way for years, you know? So the other piece of what you're saying is being glad that you didn't, you know, that you didn't stay for, you know, like the next five years being miserable. I mean, that was kind of an eye opener for me um, having a conversation. You know, I was like, man, I just don't know how this is going to succeed once my son graduates high school. And at the time, you know, he had just entered ninth grade and, um, I was like, I just don't know how we're going to survive after that, you know, but I'm going to hang in until then. And my friend was like, so let me just get clear here. Like you are willing to stretch this out thinking that if you were going to get a divorce, that doing that is best case scenario when he graduates high school, but isn't that going to be a huge life transition for him then too, you know, like, and is this the version of you that you want to give him for the rest of these years? And I was just like, holy shit, you're right. And also at the same time, it was, it didn't force me to make a decision, right? Like I could take two steps towards one decision and take three steps backwards to a different one, you know, like it flip-flops so many times and that's okay. Because until you feel aligned with, this is your decision a decision doesn't need to be made, but I did eventually say like to, you know, myself, like, this is not the version of me that I want to give my son 
for the next three to four years that I still have him in my home, you know, before he heads off and we're not bringing the best out in each other anymore. So we're holding back experiences and opportunities to pour into my son, you know, and in ourselves, you know, to be happier, to be able to show up differently. Right. You know, we, I know for myself, I can't speak for him, but I know for myself, there were many things that I did not plan that I didn't put into place, that I didn't take action on because of certain levels of, you know, resentment or frustration and a power struggle in a sense. And so on paper, we were working towards the same things. We had the same goals and yet we weren't actually taking action items towards those things. And for us, I, and I'm curious about this with you, Wendy, because like, honestly, I feel like I feel like I'm literally sitting in front of a mirror and we're like, we're saying so many parallel things that we, or you're saying them that I'm like, oh my God, I felt the same exact way. (laughs) Um, But in my relationship, you know, my ex had really taken over kind of like the finances in terms of managing the finances in the house. You know, Um, we kept separate accounts. um, That was our agreement from the get go. We had a shared account for our household, you know, our mortgage um, and savings on the house and, you know, bills. Um, But everything else we kept separate. And I was actually the, the breadwinner, I guess you would say we both worked, but I definitely made more money than he did. Um, you know, at the end of our relationship. Um, but I had this mindset and I don't know if it was my own or if it was kind of like language that eventually I, I took on, you know, as a default of my own, but you know, money wasn't my thing. Right. I mean, I didn't get my first major credit card until I was 33, because I said to myself, like, I know I shouldn't have one, you know, I'm not responsible enough to pay it off every year. And so I just didn't do it. Um, whereas he's had one for, you know, 10 years prior to me. And so 
I'm curious, like, did you find that in your marriage before your divorce, were you, did you think that you were financially, you know, savvy? Were you making investment decisions at that time? Or was the catalyst to really take control of your money happening after this divorce? Um, It really happened after, like during the marriage, I was always looking at, you know, other things, other opportunities. What are some ways that we can do things? Right. But we always defaulted to, well, my pension plan from work goes into this account. So we'll just assume the investment guy knows what he's doing kind of thing. Right. Like we never, I always wanted to sit down with somebody and go through it together as a couple. And he, he had a bunch of trust issues with that. And you know, we all have our money stories and money is such an emotional topic for so many people. And I find that right now with so many of my clients, right there, a lot of times they're women that were never taught how to manage their money, right? Like you can, you can write a check and pay the bill. Um, but what do you do with it afterwards? If you have extra, what do you do with it? How do you invest? And so many times, even for me, like I was intimidated when I bought my house, I luckily had a wonderful realtor who kind of took me under his wing. And we'd walk into a place and he'd be like, oh, we're not buying this, (laughs) right? Like he really, um, he took it on himself. He wanted to make sure that I was in a good place, that I would be happy. Um, And he was so wonderful with that. Um, But even going to the mortgage broker and going to the bank and all of these things, I was so intimidated because I'm like, I don't understand what they're even saying, right? I get my my reports, um, at the end of the year, talking about the performance of my pension fund. I'm like, I don't even know how to read this. It's small print. I don't know what kind of fees I'm paying. I don't, what am I getting for this? Like I see it's either green or it's red. Um, and especially as women, we're not taught to do all of these things. We're taught to default to the man who's also not taught. (laughs) So nobody really has any idea what they're doing unless they take the initiative and go and study it and figure it out. Um, and so after, after the split, and when I worked with this money coach, just to try and figure out, okay, am I going to end up in the poor house or can I, you know, continue on my life and just make some adjustments or like, what's, what's my, what's my worst case scenario here? Um, what can I do with it then? And so my money coach kind of brought me through, okay, you can learn to invest. And there, you know, there's kind of three ways to invest in the stock market. You can use an investor, like an investment advisor who, you know, you pay them a fee, they take a cut of your investments um, and put it in to some portfolio. So you don't have a lot of control. You can ask questions and they're there. They're another human. Um, You can put it in with a robo advisor, which is very popular these days. So you answer some questions on kind of your risk tolerance and stuff like that. And then it goes into this um, this bigger fund and then you can download reports and, and see, you know, how's your money performing or you can do it yourself. And so I've done kind of all three <laughs> throughout my life. I started out because uh, I always had an investment advisor, but once I started to learn how to read the reports and, and see what am I actually invested in um, and realized I didn't necessarily agree with those some of those things, right? Like when you can get to a point where you actually see what companies you're invested in or what industries or what countries or whatever, people have so much more control over their investments. They don't even realize it, right? Like you vote with your dollars every single day, whether it's buying an investment or investing in a company, you know, you vote, your values are your dollars. You can spend money on your values. Um, So anyway, that, that was the, the investment um, advisor route. And then you know, as I was just kind of getting started, I went into the robo advisor. 
um, thinking, okay, yeah, I'll just put in some money every month and it'll go and it'll do its thing and I'll get reports. And then I started to learn, okay, what does this mean? <laughs> How many, what am I paying in fees? Uh, am I okay with that? And, you know, what is my money being invested in? And I was doing some more research. And then I took a course on learning kind of DIY investing and figuring out what kind of companies would I want to invest in. And it was so simplified that, you know, even I can understand it. I don't have a finance degree. I didn't even go to university. Uh, you know, I've always just kind of been school of hard knocks and I, you know, built a career over time. Um, because I was good at what I did, not because I had a bunch of letters after my name kind of thing. Right. And, um, so yeah, I kept thinking, well, if these people can, can do this, there's no reason I can't. Right. And then when I started digging into it and getting kind of excited about it, I started learning more and more and more. And then eventually when I retired from my job, I took full control of all of my money and, you know, was able to do some, some pretty awesome things that I feel good about. I can sleep well at night knowing, okay, I'm, I'm investing in my values, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's a really powerful thing to get to. And it's so much simpler than people think the financial industry is complicated. <laughs> I think on purpose, it sounds complicated, but it's really not. If you can dig through all the noise and all the bullshit that people are trying to sell you that it's complicated. So you need the help it's like, no, you can't actually do this yourself. Right. And when you start telling yourself those things, I'm, I'm good with money. I'm smart with money. I can figure this out. That's when you really start to make a shift, right? If you're like, oh, it's too hard. I'm never going to be able to do this. Then yeah, you're never going to be able to do it. But even just telling yourself, just switching that, that mindset, even just a little bit, just to start. <laughs> That's right. Makes a huge, yeah. Those are affirmations. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, like it is true because it's like, you know, the more that I would hear in my environment, um, you know, like you're not as good with money, or I know that you struggle with money. And I know that you struggle with looking at the numbers and the finances, the more I was like taking that on and owning that until it was finally, you know, whenever I started a business and I needed to, you know, I started making a lot more money and I needed to start thinking about what are the tax liabilities going to be like, you know, as a 1099 person. And, you know, I had to, at that point, point kind of start to say, I think this is a little bit of out of both of our realms. And I had hired a CPA and, and I want to say as well, like I'd spoken with an estate planner at one point, And he said that one of the biggest things that he sees is that women who have like so many women that has come in and their husbands have passed, like they don't even have the passwords to get into the accounts. Like they don't even know how to get into their accounts. They don't know what bills are on auto pay through what cards or what, you know, accounts whatsoever. Like there's just so much that they haven't had um, access to that. They just didn't take that on. And, you know, like if you have that through leverage with a company, you know, surely, hopefully the company doesn't, isn't just a sole provider and he's the only one that has those passwords. Right. But even if it's your husband, your spouse or whatever, and this can go flip, you know, but I'm sure that the majority of this audience is probably female and it's saying, you know, make sure that you have access to that. Like you don't have to necessarily be doing it hands-on all the time, but make sure that you know where to go for that. You know, a simple spreadsheet, you know, that has the, the link to the website and and just tells you exactly like this is on auto pay, you know, this is coming from this account, this is, you know, when it's getting paid, right? That's one thing. The other piece too, is that if it's not 
your strength, right? And I say this to everybody about all of the things, like you can leverage it out. Now, that doesn't mean that you go and hire somebody and you 100% just release it to them and, and assume that they know um, that they're doing the best for you, that you don't have to look at it or review it. Ultimately, it's still your money. You need to take ownership in that and you need to hold them accountable and you need to have them start to teach you. I mean, I remember I still have the note in, in my drawer. I had to have them show me like three different times. I'm like, walk me through this again on this PL. Like what numbers am I supposed to look at to try to be determining, you know, estimating like what my taxes are going to be, you know, like show me again, like which, which line is it that you're saying that I should, you know, I mean, I just asked and again and again, and I was like, okay, I'm taking some detailed notes right now. I just need you to slow down so that I can go back and reference these notes until it, you know, becomes more natural for me. And so that's the other thing I, I do want to mention is that the profit and loss, you know, statement, if you're a business owner listening to this, right, even if you have QuickBooks um, or if you have a software that is automatically creating these reports for you, that's fantastic. I love leverage and automation in all sorts of ways. I'm a systems gal, right? But you still have to be looking at it. You still need to be cross-checking those reports with your credit card statements on occasion because you want to make sure a all of your expenses got put in there for you know tax deductions b how many of you have signed up for some subscriptions that are just on auto pay every single month because it was the shiny object and next thing you know you're spending 49 or 79 dollars a month boom 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 and you're like when was the last time I actually logged in and used that, you know, like cut the expense, you know, simplify. And, you know, that's something that I, I mean, I even had an assistant who hates numbers and, you know, she was putting the things on my desk every month and totally on me four months goes by before I actually get in like really detailed. And I'm like, wait a second, why are all of these charges not input into our sheet? Because I'm making this, I'm making like purchase and budgeting decisions based on thinking we are completely, you know, on target, like we're above target in terms of like profit. And so it's like, yeah. And then come to find out the expenses aren't plugged in there. You know, my frustration first and foremost was with myself because it was my responsibility to be checking in to make sure that if this is something that important in my business that I'm making financial decisions on, it is on me. It is on me for not checking in behind her on something and then being able to catch it way early on so that I wouldn't have such an emotional, you know, reaction essentially. And I say that like, because it was something that I had to like get in check real quick, you know? So you have to look at it and you know, I heard you also say, Wendy, like you kind of just started, right? Like just start and then start to learn the reports, like learn how to read them, do some training. Well, you know, even taking a step back from the investing side of things, one of the first things that I did was started tracking my spending. So just like you're talking about in a business, but on first personal finance kind of journey, right? So I got a little notebook from the dollar store and started writing down, this is what I bought. This is how much went out. And this is how much came in. And I did that for every single thing. So 
you know, it provided some accountability. If I had to write it down in the book, I was going to think twice about whether I was going to spend the money or not. Right. But then this becomes like my, my touchstone carried around with me everywhere. And then once a month I would go through and some categories would naturally show up. Right. So I would look at things that I could then make decisions on. And again, I totally get where you're coming from. Having systems is great. There's tons of apps that will do this for you. But again, they don't get to the granular level that I needed to be able to make decisions. But that's your system. That's my system, right? So, and plus I didn't want to pay a monthly subscription on something that was going to track my money when I could just write it down in a little notebook. So I found even on food, for example, um, I have five different categories of food that I track in my little notebook, Um, but all for different reasons, right? So the first one is groceries. So something that I'll go to the store and buy to bring home, to prepare at home. Then I've got, you know, meals out, like dinner out kind of thing. And that for me is more of a social occasion, but it's still a meal, still food that I bought um, in another way than groceries. Um, Then I had takeout, right? I'm a busy single mom. The kids are out and about. We're doing things or tired after work. You just grab some some takeout on the way home. Um, And what else did I have? Lunch at um, school or work when I was working. Um, and then, you know, cause I didn't pack a lunch that day or whatever. And then the last one was like other, so, you know, convenience stores, vending machines, coffee at Starbucks, that kind of stuff. So I tracked all five of those categories because then I can make some decisions on them. So the groceries, for example, if I assumed that my budget for groceries for myself and my two boys was $600, well, this would tell me very differently <laughs> that what I was actually spending was more like $900 or something, right? But then I'm also spending $400 on takeout every month. So if I'm looking at that, I can now make some decisions. Okay, did I buy all the groceries and then throw half of them away because they went bad before I had a chance to use them because I was buying all this takeout food at the last minute? So what can I do about that? Can I, you know, maybe buy some more convenient groceries, you know, get like the pre-cooked rotisserie chicken and just pull it apart instead of like frozen chicken breasts that I have to actually cook. Do I get the, um, you know, the bagged carrots, baby carrots versus, you know, carrots that I have to peel and cut (laughs) all of that kind of stick thing. Like, do I need to just do things to simplify my life so that we're going to eat, um, the groceries in another way. Right. And then what is this doing for my health? How do I feel after having all the takeout food? Would it be better to spend more on quality groceries? You know, all of those sorts of things, when you start tracking something so minuscule, you can start to make changes, right? So if you're trying to lose weight, you can, you can, you can measure calories. I literally, you can measure how many reps you're doing. I how literally much water just started doing. a calorie tracker for the last two and a half weeks. And I am not that girl. I've never been that girl in my life, but I had gained like nine pounds, couldn't fit into my jeans. And rather than going and buying all new jeans, it's like, this is the easier thing. I didn't even realize like, you know, like how I, it really, I, I didn't start tracking it until I was like intentionally trying to be at a deficit. So I didn't track it before. Like, here's just like a normal week of Jamie eating. I, God forbid, I don't want to know what it looked like, but because <laughs> I started to track it, it became really in the forefront, right? It creates the awareness. You just said that you can't make changes until you know where to make changes. It's the same with, if you want to scale, if you want to buy an investment property, or if you want to grow your business, like where do you spend the most amount of time and energy and money 
on which activities that are going to get you the best return. Like, where do you cut the most money and budget? Listen, if I cut out my Amazon addiction and my clothes shopping, I probably could increase my income by about 25% next month. Like it's, I, (laughs) that's, that is hopefully an exaggeration because I do send back just as much stuff as I buy, (laughs) but I am an Amazonaholic. There is no doubt. Um, but it's about like choices, right? And if you can't make yeah, choices or changes without awareness. Decisions. Absolutely. Making these intentional decisions. Um, so there's a great book that I highly suggest everybody reads. It's called Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin. And I read it a few years ago and it changed everything for me. Um, and it talks about tracking your spending and, but also making intentional decisions, right? Like, um, and she has these three questions to change your life. So the first one is, so every time you're spending money or if you're going through, you know, your expenses at the end of the month or whatever, ask yourself these three questions. So the first one is, um, is this purchase in alignment with, or did it provide the fulfillment satisfaction and value in proportion to the money I spent? Right. So, and a great example of that is the Starbucks coffee, the pumpkin spice latte, right? If I'm going to spend $8 on this, I'm going to think about it. Was it actually worth it? And in some cases, yes, it absolutely is. You know, I work from home. I'm by myself a lot. Um, so I'll go to Starbucks and I'll use their Wi-Fi and I'll use their bathroom and I'll meet a friend. And, you know, so sometimes, yeah, that $8 pumpkin spice latte is totally worth it. <laughs> That's totally fine. Right. When it's just a habit, um, because it's, well, I have to have this on my way into work, but I didn't really think about it. That's maybe when you want to make a change. So that's the first one. Did it provide the fulfillment satisfaction and value in proportion to the money I spent? Um, the second one is, um, oh, shoot. It just stopped, jumped, jumped right on my head. <laughs> oh, is this expenditure aligned with my values and life purpose? So again, getting back to you, what do you want your life to feel like? Does this expense align with that? So kind of a goofy example I give. Um, for me, I want simplicity, right? And I'll go to my hairstylist and every once in a while I'll be like, oh, I need a change. Like maybe let's do bangs. And she's like, oh, we're not, we're not doing bangs for you because you don't have the time and you don't have the energy and you don't care enough to make them look good. <laughs> so we're not doing that. That would not be in alignment with your life purpose, <laughs> right? It's just a goofy example, but, um, but yeah, that's question number two. How does this align with your values and your life purpose? And then number three is how might this expense change if you didn't have to work for a living? Right. And that one was a big one for me. That one was, that's change in my house. You know, if I didn't have to work, would I be working as hard to be able to pay for a house that I was never in because I was out working all the time to pay for it, right? You get into that whole cycle. Or, you know, if I found a great pair of shoes, like, oh yeah, this would be great for this meeting, this conference, whatever. And it's like, but if I didn't have to work, would I even care, you know, or would I invest more in Lululemon yoga pants, right? Like if I didn't have to work, would I be spending this money? Um, And so those were kind of the three questions to really hone in on being intentional and not just about your money, but about about your time as well, right? Like there are so many things. Um, Even my kids, my, when we first split, my oldest son was in Taekwondo and he would go Wednesday evenings and Saturday mornings. And so every Wednesday evening, I'd be rushing home from work, grab them from daycare, you know, feed them really fast. And then it's like, okay, we got to go. Like we got to get down uh, across town to get to your Taekwondo lesson. Um, 
And like, everybody's crying and I'm yelling at them, get in the car. We got to go. We're going to be late and all of this kind of stuff. And I just remember looking at my, my kids, poor little faces, and they're both just like devastated and I'm stressed and I'm angry. And I just sit down and I'm like, do you even want to go to Taekwondo? And my oldest is like, no, because it just makes everybody unhappy. And I'm like, oh God, what am I doing? Um, and so I'm like, okay, we're not going tonight done. We're just, we're not going, I paid for it, but we're not going tonight. And then we made some changes. Yes. We could still go on Saturdays because we had more time, but that rush after work on Wednesdays wasn't going to work anymore. Right. I wasn't aligned with, with what I wanted my life to feel like and what I wanted my kids to feel like. I didn't want them to feel like, you know, getting them to activities was just making me angry. Right. (laughs) It's not what I wanted them. Yeah. It's, it's about the awareness and the intention. And I also heard the ownership, right. Making those choices. Like, because I hear a lot of people, you know, I, I am, I struggled with this a lot with the black and white thinking like, oh, well, if I want to save all this money, then I can't do that. Or I shouldn't have bought this, or I should just say no. And then shame starts to set in. And it's like, but you know what? I can also make the choice that I put in the extra work, you know, this week, this month, whatever, take on an extra client, so on and so forth, because I am making the choice in the ownership around this decision to have spent, you know, I don't know, you know, $200 on, you know, rave festival where I don't know, <laughs> you know, but whatever, <laughs> right? Like you're, exactly. it's about your life by design and what's, you know, yeah. your goals are and the intention that you want to have with that. So I'm curious, Wendy, because we have, you guys, you've gotten so much great material today so far, like, but I am curious if, if somebody's out there and they're like, I need to do, I, I really need to make a change and I need to start to take some ownership into my finances so that I can start having, you know, my money work for me, or at least to start to feel a little bit more like I'm in control of the direction of my finances. What would be the one thing that you would make a recommendation to for somebody who's determined to do that? Okay. So one of the big turning points for me, and uh, I'll give you the link so that your listeners can grab it too. I've got this calculator called your true hourly wage calculator. So again, this comes from, it's, it's inspired by your money or your life. Um, but I'll just give you an example. So it's really looking at what does your job cost you to have it? So whether it's a job, whether it's a, you're self-employed, whatever activity you're doing, right. You want to see actually, is this worth it? So in my example, say I was making $50 an hour at my corporate job, you know, working 2000 hours a year. So hundred thousand dollars salary that, you know, you should be pretty far in life right? Um, But then you start looking at all of the inputs that you have to do to have that job. So for me, it was things like grooming, right? Like I had, you know, had the right hair and makeup and the right clothes to be, you know, to fit in at the office, all of that kind of stuff. Plus the time it takes to get ready. Um, Commuting costs, you know, getting the kids off to daycare, driving my car, having extra insurance, paying for parking, all of that kind of stuff. The time that it takes to drive, I was about a half hour each way uh, from my job at the time. Um, Then you go in and you get your fancy coffee because that's what everybody does. (laughs) And then, you know, maybe lunchtime rolls around and you didn't pack a lunch, you grab lunch with a friend so you can, you know, talk about the office gossip, whatever. Um, You finish out the rest of your day and you're so fried that you stop on the way home and grab takeout, grab the kids from daycare, bring them home, feed everybody. Finally, you have two hours to just sit and either scroll your phone, watch Netflix, dream about this two-week vacation where you actually get to live 
<laughs> you know, for that short period of time and you're planning out all of this stuff. So all of this has a time and money cost and this calculator will kind of help you sort that out. So when I did this for myself, you know, this $50 an hour job where I was supposed to be doing really well, it turns out I was making about $10 an hour. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was completely eye-opening. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what other things could I be doing for $10 an hour or even $20 an hour? Could I clean houses? You know, could I walk dogs and have a better quality of life? Like for $10 an hour, I'm dealing with all of this stress with, you know, making sure these PowerPoint presentations are just perfect. And then the the meeting gets scrapped like an hour before, you know, that I'd spent two weeks planning for all of this kind of stuff, right? It wasn't going to be worth it to me. And that was so eye-opening that I had to do something else, whether it was investing my money more, you know, having it work for me. So I wasn't trading my time and my life energy for, um, for a really small paycheck when I had to have all these inputs. Now, I will warn you, you can't unsee (laughs) your true hourly wage once you do do this calculation. So it's one of those, you know, put on your big girl pants and let's just get through it (laughs) and see what it is. Cause you can't, you can't make changes until you know, right. Until you know where you're starting from. Um, but then you can also make changes, right? So in my example, I moved my house so I could now walk to work. So I didn't have that commuting time anymore that increased my true hourly wage. Right. So I essentially gave myself a raise without asking my boss, mm-hmm. right. By reducing all these expenses that I actually had control over most of them. Um, I increased my true hourly wage. And then from there I could look at, okay, what are the things that I'm doing in my life that are not, um, not in alignment with what I want. Yeah. Right. So that's a really good place to start. Yeah. And that's great for entrepreneurs too, especially, you know, I think about as realtors, you know, we tell folks all the time, like, you know, you really need to know what that hourly wage is, like how much time you are spending working with the client, getting them prepped, you know, whether it's a buyer or a seller, you know, how long over time, right? Because oftentimes we're working with somebody for 30 to 45 days, you know, so what is your true hourly wage? And sometimes, you know, we can see that be, you know, $150, $200 an hour. And it really makes you wonder then like, okay, is it worth, you know, once you get to a certain level, having maybe a showing assistant to go and drive that 30 minutes to that property to go show the one off house, you know, and then the 30 minutes back, like now that's a whole hour. And, you know, could you have increased your salary some by not taking up, you know, $200 an hour going off to this one off? And can you set the right expectations? Can you train people? Can you find the right leverage that would do it the way that you want them to do it and set the right expectations for everybody involved? And same with as an entrepreneur, like what is your true hourly wage? Like, sure, you might have a coaching client paying you X amount of dollars per hour. Is that taking into effect the amount of prep work that you're doing? Is it also taking into effect, you know, the education that you in time that you've put into this to be able to break even? So I love this calculator. We're definitely going to link it down in the show notes. So tell people um, how they can get in touch with you, how they can connect with you in many of the other ways, you know, that you're offering great tips and strategies. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty active on Instagram, um, getting more active on uh, LinkedIn, also on Facebook. Um, you can connect with through the true hourly wage um, calculator. I've got an email mailing list as well. Um, and yeah, just reach out. Um, so I deal with one-on-one clients. So people that, you know, they're 
they're looking to look at some different strategies and get empowered about their money um, and about their lives and create these lives that they they don't need a vacation from. I've got a couple of online courses as well, and you can find all that in my link in bio on Instagram. Perfect, perfect. So um, her Instagram is at I am Wendy Verway. That's V-E-R-W-E-Y, which of course we're going to link for you down in the show notes. Um, Wendy, thank you so much because this there were so many great nuggets. You know, something that just really stood out to me was you vote with your dollars. I mean, what an impactful thing to think about with your investments. Um, and it's so true because we know that many, many things have deep pockets and how are you contributing to that? So that's something that I definitely took away in addition to all of these great systems and awareness tools that were discussed today. So I really appreciate you taking some time to pour into us. And um, like I said, we're going to link everything down in the show notes for our audience so that you guys can link up with Wendy and start to take control of your finances as well. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Jamie.